Good morning, everyone. Or should I say, should I say good morning, anyone? <laughs> when we start singing a little bit later, if I could ask you a favor, probably you can move forward without jeopardizing anybody's seating here, and it will really enhance our singing and our, our corporate nature as we worship together. So a little bit later, if you can move forward as we're singing. Uh, first of all, I'd like to welcome each of you who are here. Maybe I'll do it by name. Larry, <laughs> Judy, Dan, Bill. Um, but welcome to our service. Uh, it was a tough call on what to do this morning, and we decided to, um, to, to go with the service, and we're trusting that you'll all be very, very careful as you navigate what's going on here at the, uh, at the church as well. I'd like to welcome any who may be visiting with us, and if you are a visitor... Could you help us to get to know who you are? We have a packet of information we'd like to give to you. If you just put your hand up and keep it up, Pastor Ed will get that to you. Uh, it's fairly unlikely that there is anybody visiting with us this morning, but you, you never can tell. If your row hasn't passed the friendship pad yet, if you do that and then pass it back again, noting the name and being able to uh, greet each other by, by name. A um, couple of uh, announcements, and not really announcements, but missionary or excuse me, ministry opportunities. Taste of the World Dinner is coming. It's March 13th. That's part of our missionary conference. We'd like to have you signed up by next Sunday. That's March 1st. So you can read about that and read more about the conference in the bulletin. We could also use help in hosting missionaries for a meal or for lodging. You can read more about that in the bulletin as well. Uh, and this, a uh, very interesting note, there are 10 children from 2nd grade through 5th grade who made posters inviting everyone to the missionary conference. They're displayed on the wall near the nursery. We'd like to thank all the children who are involved in doing that, and please look over these posters. I think that you'll be greatly impressed with what you see. We have a visitors, new members class starting soon. Check out all you need to know in the bulletin. And please read the bulletin for more opportunities in growing in Christ and reaching out to the world. Learn more about ministries where you can be serving and also as part of our, our worship of the Lord. Please be in prayer for our high school and middle schoolers who are in retreat this weekend. Lord willing, coming back later this afternoon. So pray for them that they'd have a real good ending this morning and that they'll arrive home safely later on. Let's look to the Lord together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that we're here because we desire to worship you because you're worth it. And you're worth the extra trouble and the caution this morning. And I pray that because we're here, we understand that we've got an appointment to intersect with some truth that you have for us, some truth that we may hear through the songs, that we may hear in the scriptures, certainly, and we, we maybe we'll have some clarity in the message, but we would pray that you'd help us to, if nothing else, to understand what a holy God you are and how we can live our lives in such a way as your ambassadors that others will be drawn to you because you are different. You are set apart, you are sanctified, you are holy. And we acknowledge that even when we pray. Um, sometimes we'll hear that expression, hallowed be your name. And we'll hear that this morning. And we pray that you'd help us to be able to, to do that, to recognize what that means. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our worship this morning is focused on the name of God. And as you read through scripture, you find out that God has a name, but it's sort of like a kaleidoscope. He has a lot of other titles, ascriptions, names that appear describing him and used of him. 
And in the songs we sing this morning, you're going to get a chance to uh, speak or sing some of those. But in each case, we're actually praising God for what his name represents. So would you stand with us, and as we sing, think through who God is on the basis of his name, and then praise him for that. This morning dawns and evening. 
someone near you by name, if you can, 
and uh, find out a little about them. And then we'll call you back together to sing another song. a very familiar song I think many of you know that uses some of the names of God and then talks a little bit about where they came from how they were um, identified in the Old Testament through particular instances that God worked on behalf of his people and you know El Shaddai, El Shaddai El Elyon, Adonai Erkamkana, Adonai all those words speak of God's interaction with his people and it became sort of like names, titles of him so uh, now that you're seated would you stand again and let's sing through these names and think of how God has been this kind of person in your life. Not the same situations. You didn't have to cross the Red Sea or sacrifice your son, but you, God has shown himself to be faithful in these ways for you as well.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord. Um, thank you for a brand new day. Thank you for a good night's rest. Uh, even as snowy and as icy as it is, we thank you and praise you for today. Uh, we may not understand the ins and outs and everything that goes on, but certainly certain parts of your creature needs this snow and ice. Uh, maybe not us, not me, but there are. And, and you know everything. So we praise you and thank you for that. Uh, just give us the patience, um, the understanding in things when things don't make sense that we will still praise you as your people and thank you daily. We come to you today, Lord, and just want to ask you to wash us afresh with the finished work of the cross, your resurrection and ascension. Yes, the forgiveness of sins, and, but, but more importantly, life that you've offered us, life even from the, the beginning, from creation, before sin, you offered Adam and Eve, life. And that's what we want, Lord. Not that there won't be any issues and problems. We certainly see a lot of that. 
but we know because of consequence of the fall and sin has entered into mankind. But then you also sent your son to rescue us, to redeem us. We as your people, Lord, should know that. And uh, with that, Lord, we just thank, ask you to help us and use every authority and every power that you have given us to live even in this fallen world a full life life with adventure not just adventure of selfish a high and high feelings but adventure that's tied to you where you would put us in situations whether locally right here at home or far away like you send missionaries that there's adventure we're doing your work lord and seeing how you work things out uh, using each one of us even us many times feel like we're inadequate but we know we have you help us lord to do that and make ourselves available to you and see how your hands work and therefore make our faith stronger every day not that we have to see those but for some reason you want us to partake and be part of your uh, your plan even the redeeming plan to show others who you are you said that in scripture lord by your love and so help us lord to love others love you by loving others and live a life that's full not that there won't be uh, issues and problems there's certainly warfare in scripture again your word talks about that a lot uh, help us to do that and there is in a way, you showed us, even as Pastor Paul teaches us in, in, in the prayer that you have laid out, um, it, it tells that we have to come to you and ask you, and in other parts of Scripture, that you ask us to stand firm and resist, and we should do that. And sometimes it is not easy. It is scary. It is hard. But, Lord, you ask us to do that that's a command and we have to do that uh, if we want life in this world Lord this morning um, thank you for this church thank you for so many things so many programs um, that's going on to to do your work help us not to focus on the program but more so on the people uh, the workers as well as the people that are coming to each of those and and touch people's lives by your love. We come to you this morning as well to pray for our military, represented by Technical Sergeant Neil Kaufman and his family. Thank you for their service, Lord. I ask you to protect them, each one, in harm's way or at home, reconnecting with families. Pray that you would strengthen, strengthen each person, each family, for your service we know we are in time of peril and if you see that on the news all the time but we also know that the answer is you Lord Jesus so help us as your people we may not be the frontline quote-unquote military people but we are military people we are your people we are your army and there is a different kind of warfare there's the spiritual kind and we, your people, are your soldiers, and it is real. Help us to look at it in that way. Help us to live a life 
not on a cruise ship going through the Caribbean, but on a battleship asking for reinforcement for battle. Thank you too, Lord, for our college students represented by Jessica Taylor and Ashwarya Thomas. Again, Lord, our young people are bombarded all the time, whether in class or outside the classroom, with all kinds of lies, lies from the enemy, uh, people that don't understand who you are and being used by the enemy. Help our young people, Lord, on campus, off campus, or even at home, that they will be the lamppost, Lord, to be courageous and bold, standing firm, saying no to things that are wrong and ungodly. Even it's not popular because we are your people and we need to do that and stand firm. Pray, Lord, for our leaders, uh, represented by Tom Psycho, uh, for our ch church leaders, our elders, our trustee, for their work to minister to us, and yes, for the, pr the property as well that needs upkeep, but more importantly, ministering to the hearts of each one uh, in this church. Pray also for our leaders of this country um, that you have given us for the president all the way down to the local government, local leaders, and um, that as we submit to them, that you would move in their hearts, Lord, uh, with the truth that only comes from you. Use the people around them, around the president, around the congressmen, and all the people that's involved in government, including myself, working with the state of New Jersey, that we would stand firm again and and say no to things that are unrighteous, ungodly, and be the lamp where we are to do your work. And may you forgive us, Lord. Forgive what we have done as a nation. Help us, Lord, as your people to come and, and uh, ask for your forgiveness and pray and ask you to heal our land. Pray to the Lord for our missionary represented by Pat Black. Thank you for the work that Pat is involved in in doing translation. Um, pray for that, Lord, that work will be done and in a timely manner and in an accurate way that materials can be used to teach other people in other lands how to minister to the children. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to give back to you for what you have blessed us. Not that you need our help, not that you need all of us or any, any one of us, but for some reason you want to involve us, you pursued us in this adventure. Uh, help us, Lord, to be obedient and, and showing your love by giving back to you and as part of our worship so that your work will be done here and abroad. We praise and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. His name is wonderful. Today we are singing a lot about the name of our Lord God. We want to hear a message about our great God. Scripture 
enforces how great the name of God is. Psalm 72, 19 says, And blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Psalm 8, 1 also says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord, he is the mighty King, Master of everything. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord, he's the great shepherd, the rock of all ages, almighty God is he. Bow down before him. you to stand with me and read some portions of scripture together that talk about God's name. If you're between the ages of four and what, sixth grade was that? You can head to Children's Church while we're standing. Be a great time to leave. We hope that there's some workers there. 
very interesting passage of scripture, a couple of them in Exodus, um, where God first reveals his name to Israel. And uh, you'll see in this passage what it is. Um, let's read, I'll read the harder to read print, you read the easier to read print, okay? Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Go and assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me and said, I have paid close attention to you and to what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised that I will bring you up from the misery of Egypt. On another occasion, the Lord came down in a cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed his name, Yahweh. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving wrongdoing, rebellion, and sin. The name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are protected. I will thank Yahweh with all my heart. I will declare your wonderful works. I will rejoice and boast about you. I will sing about your name, Most High. Not to us, Yahweh, not to us, but to your name give glory. Because of your faithful love, because of your truth. I was looking for a song that talked about Yahweh and his name, and I found a very recent one, and we're going to learn it together this morning. I think you'll appreciate, after reading that scripture, the significance of this song.
seated. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, pattern prayer. Jesus said, pray then like this, and he starts out, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Please join me for prayer as we commit our time in God's word to him right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our Father, understanding all that that means, or at least a a lot of what that means to us. The privilege of being your children and having your love lavished on us. The responsibility of being your children and representing you well and living for your glory. Recognizing that we've got this future hope in heaven and the present reality of knowing that you're there and you're within us at the same time. That you care very, very much about each person who is here. Thank you for that. And thank you that this morning, as we've already been rejoicing in the holiness, the sacredness of your great name, understanding that that name is who you are. And so we're worshiping and praising you yourself. Help us to understand as we go through this prayer more and more so that it doesn't become something we just say as a matter of rote. It's not something that we do as a custom, a habit. We don't do it unthinkingly. We don't do it mechanically. We do it with great forethought because this is the prayer that the Lord Jesus said is a good model. And so from that model, we learn great truth. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's quite evident that something awful has happened to prayer. You stop and think about it. Something awful has happened to prayer. It's lost its original purpose. Prayer was given to us to draw close to our Heavenly Father. It was given to us as a means to glorify Him. It was intended to exalt His great name, to help us to conform to God's will. Prayer was God-centered. What we often see now in the name of prayer would make a department store Santa Claus happy. But God has not given us prayer as a means to the end of having our wish lists granted. How often when we come to God in prayer are we like the children in the picture here? Here's what I want. I want this, I want this, I want this. But that's not how it was intended. Instead of being selfless, prayer is largely selfish in many circles today. There are many today and probably a lot more than we would think. As as I've been researching this, I was amazed to see how widespread this is. I think all of us have heard of some of these things, but... There are a lot of people, even this morning, who are going to be teaching. You'll see it on TV. It'll be all over the place. And they're going to be teaching that you have a right to demand of God anything that you want from Him, provided that you ask it in faith. You have a right to demand health and wealth and prosperity. In fact, it's often coined that way. Health and wealth, name it and claim it, confess it and possess it, that all we've got to do is make our wish list known to God, and he's obligated to give it to us. And if we don't get it, the problem is not a theological one, it is a faith one, that you didn't have enough faith when you asked or God would have given it to you. So the idea is that God is obligated to grant all of our requests. And so everybody should be wealthy, everybody should be healthy, everybody should be prosperous. That's what a lot of the teaching is today. 
But we understand from the scripture that prayer has not been granted for us to try to manipulate the mind of God to our way of thinking, but for us to know the mind of God and to trust his will and to trust that everything that he does is for our good. But we don't try to snap our finger and say, God, you're our genie. What we do is we try to cooperate with what it is that God is doing in our lives through prayer. The pattern prayer before us, the disciples' prayer or Lord's prayer, if you will, teaches us an important lesson right from the very beginning of the prayer. And that important lesson is, and we should never forget this, prayer begins with God. Prayer also ends with God, and God is also in the middle of that prayer as well. Prayer doesn't begin with me and my needs. In fact, we have from the beginning of this prayer an implicit and an explicit statement against self-seeking prayer. Prayer reminds us that God is our heavenly Father, then points us heavenward to remind us of the holiness of God in hallowed be your name. One of the Bible commentators has said this, how clearly is the fundamental duty of prayer set forth? Self and all its needs must be given a secondary place. And the Lord freely accorded the preeminence in our thoughts and supplications. This petition must take the precedence for the glory of God's great name is the ultimate end of all things. And I trust that every time we pray the Lord's Prayer or any other prayer, it begins with God, not just a greeting, not just something mechanical, not something that we're used to doing, But it's all about God. It's not me-centered. It's God-centered. James chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, it says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. That's when prayer becomes all about us. Please understand, I'm not saying that it's wrong to ask God for things. It's very right to do that. That's part of what we call supplication, sometimes petition. We're asking God for things. We're asking God for those that we love, for for good things in their lives. We're asking for God to help us in many, many ways. That's okay. But when it becomes all about me, then we've crossed the line, a very bad line at that point. So let's examine this phrase, hallowed be your name. And we'll ask ourselves the question, what is meant by hallowed? And sometimes when we hear the word hallowed, we may think of the hallowed halls of some old ivy-covered institution. Sometimes hallowed presents the idea of long robes and dismal chants and dark candlelit cavernous rooms, somberness, silence. Hallowed is a word that almost echoes, and we hear hallowed, and we think in terms of some of these other things. That's not really what is meant by hallowed. Some other people think of hallowed as derived from hallowed eve, a special eve before All Saints Day. But what does the Bible mean when that word is used, hallowed? And what should we mean as we say that in the Lord's Prayer? Hallowed be your name. What exactly is going on there? Well, the word hallowed, you'll only find twice in the New International Version and the English Standard Version. 
But the Greek word behind it is used about 30 times. It's the, the Greek verb hagiadzo, which means to make, render, or declare something to be sacred or holy. The noun form of this, verb, of this word is the, the, uh, the word holy. It means to treat something or someone as sacred, to hold something or someone as separated, revered, set apart, different. In the New Testament, the word is translated as sanctify as well. In fact, sanctify or sanctified many more times than hallowed. But let's think in terms of, as you look on the screen, you see these words that are here for hallowed. These are words that are used to translate the Greek word hagiadzo. So it's sacred, holy, separated, revered, set apart, different. Sanctified, if you want to use the, uh, the, the, the larger theological word. When we're thinking in terms of hallowed be your name, think in terms of God's holiness. That's the picture that God wants us to have of himself. In the Lord's Prayer, are we asking God to make himself holy? Is that what we're doing when we say hallowed be your name? Are we asking God to make himself holy? holy? No, we're not at all. That would be ridiculous. He's already perfectly holy. And I use that word perfectly in its utmost extent. The prayer here is not that God may become holy or holier, but that he be treated as holy, that he be reverenced, that he be the one that we understand is worthy of being separated from everything and everyone else because he is totally, totally unique. The prayer is that we may respond to his holiness. May your name be holy in the way that I live. In other words, to hallow is to treat as holy, not to make God more holy, but to recognize his holiness and to seek to show it to others. What's the significance of a hallowed name? When we say hallowed be your name. We know a little bit about hallowed. We know what that means, but what is a hallowed name? What's significant about that? Does this verse tell us that we should treat the name of the Lord with reverence? Does it teach that we should not take the name of the Lord in vain? Well, we know we shouldn't do that, and it teaches that in part, but that's not really the big emphasis that is here. We've got a commandment that says we shouldn't misuse the name of the Lord. We shouldn't take God's name and, and use it in a common way. It's quite true that we should not be doing some of these things that we know about, but we should never use his name in this careless, lighter, profane manner. But here the name is more than just the title of someone. It's more than just the handle that we refer to God as. In the Bible, a name often was tantamount to a description of an individual. Is even more true with God. You'll turn with me to Exodus chapter 34 just for one example. There, there are dozens of examples of almost everything that I'm going to say in the next few minutes, but we'll, we'll sample a few. In Exodus chapter 34, if you look at verse 5, the Lord, and we're going to see later that's the, uh, the word Yahweh that we've been singing about when you see the capital letters L-O-R-D. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now, that meant that he wasn't just there proclaiming a name, but there's something behind that name. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness 
keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. But what we're seeing here is he's declaring the name of the Lord, but then he goes immediately into his attributes and some of the characteristics of who God is. God called himself by many different names in the Bible to reveal to us his nature, to reveal to us his attributes and character. So God's names are a summary of his person. God's names are his description. If you can imagine that I might describe myself to a stranger on the phone that I'm about to pick up at the airport, and I want to tell him how he will know that it is me. And so I tell him about my height, my weight, my hair color, some distinguishing marks or mannerisms, how I would be dressed. But if I said to him, my name is Paul, it's not going to tell him anything. In fact, that could be misleading because Paul actually means small. And some people don't think that I'm small. And so when I'm doing that and I'm telling him about my characteristics, well, God describes himself with names that reveal his very character, not just the outside what somebody might see, but his very character. And God takes great pains so that we know who he is. If he asks that we be his children, if he asks us to place our faith and trust in what he's done through Christ, then we should certainly know who he is. And he lets us know in many ways. He describes himself with his names that reveal his character. Many of those names we've been singing about already this morning. I'm going to go through a few of them very quickly. Elohim. You see that first in the Old Testament. It's spelled with a capital G and then O-D. Elohim, the creator God, the all-powerful one. And so much more could be said. But when we see that name Elohim, we know something about who God is. El Elyon, the God Most High. El Olam, the eternal or everlasting God. El Roy, the God who sees me. And isn't that an interesting thought? We could ponder that for a while. The God who sees me. That's one of the names of God because he wants us to know that that's a part of him. Nothing that we do escapes his notice. El Shaddai, we were singing about earlier, the all-sufficient one. Sometimes we don't say this, but this is true also. The God of the mountains or God Almighty. Emmanuel, God with us. A name for Jesus, but certainly God himself with us. Jehovah, some will say, or Yahweh, I am, the one who is the self-existent one. Jehovah Jireh, a name that we see in the scriptures, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Makedishkim, not one of the most usual ones, but the Lord who sanctifies or sets apart. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Roy, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. We'll hear more about him tonight. Jehovah Shalom, what do you think that is? The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there, the Lord my companion. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. And then we could think of the dozens of names for our Lord Jesus Christ that reveal his character and attributes. In fact, there, there are several, at least a couple of hundred names of Jesus, including Wonderful. His name is Wonderful. Thank you, Frida, for bringing that to our attention this morning. The Lord's name 
is the same as the Lord's person. So when we say, hallowed be your name, we're saying more than just, don't drag this name in the dirt. Don't make this common. Don't misuse this. Don't make this a profanity. We're saying a whole lot more. We're saying the name is the person. The name tells us all the qualities and attributes that he would like us to know about him. Hallowed be your name. Holy, sacred, set apart are you, God, is what we can say. A sampling of some scriptures. Psalm 9-2. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Psalm 22-22. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Do you see what's happening with his name? Because it's all about who God is. We can't keep that to ourselves. That's why we talk about him a lot. That's why we talk about him to each other. That's why he's praised. That's why he's worshipped. That's why we sing about him. Psalm 115, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. When you see his name referred to, if you look around, you will see something more about him. You won't just continually see the name. Psalm 140, verse 13. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. And obviously that thanks is going to God, not just to his name. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord, we sang this and we love to sing this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Obviously we're not running into a name. We're running into the Lord. The Lord is the one who surrounds us with his loving protection. The name of the Lord includes his attributes, his character, his power, his authority, his reputation, and his person. We could very easily and accurately pray this, although it doesn't come off the lips real well, but our Father in heaven, hallowed be you. That's what we're praying when we say hallowed be your name. Hallowed be you. Holy, set apart, sanctified, reverenced are you. One writer quotes Shakespeare in Romeo and Juliet. What's in a name? Do you remember this one? A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. And somebody has said this about that. By this he intimated that the name of an object is not really too important, since the name by which we call things doesn't alter their character or essence. To call them by some other name would really make no essential difference. Well, this may well be true of the names of objects, but it is not true when it comes to the names of God. Because we can't separate the names of God from who he is. It describes for us his very essence. Psalm 138, verse 2, a very, very significant verse in the scriptures. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. You've exalted above all things your name and your word. I'm going to illustrate this using the make of an automobile. I happened to to choose a Rolls Royce. I could just as easily have chosen a Ford, but I, I didn't. To help us get a grip on what we're talking about with the names of God, let's compare it to what can be implied by a name in business. 
If you take, for example, the Rolls Royce pictured here. When we see that name stamped on a car or an aircraft engine, we immediately have a special regard and respect for it. In that name resides the reputation of one of the world's most renowned engineering firms. That name stands for the finest in mechanical engineering. It represents the most advanced research. It bears the stamp of meticulous care and precision. It symbolizes the ultimate in reliability and dependability. It denotes the highest degree of craftsmanship and design. The preceding was a paid advertisement, by the way. But I think you know what I mean about the name. Our father's name multiplies the finest companies in the world all put together by light years. Our father's name stands for far more than the quality that you associate with a company that maybe you enjoy or appreciate or has a good reputation. Our father's name, when we pray that prayer, hallowed be your name, takes us into an entirely different dimension. So sacred was God's name to the Old Testament Jews that it could not be spoken or put into human language. That's how much they revered the name. They wouldn't even say it. They wouldn't even put it in print. It was represented in writing by just the consonants because they didn't want to go overboard with it. And the consonants would have been Y-H-W-H. With the vowels later on to make it Jehovah, we, we sing about Yahweh. We hear about Yahweh. It's translated Yahweh now, the great I am. That's how we, we find it in our Bibles, and it's capitalized, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. When you see that, it's referring to this name for God. But it's not the name itself, but God himself that is hallowed. Certainly the name is also honored, but this is where people make the mistake. This is where the Jews often made a mistake. They hallowed the name, but they slipped away from hallowing God himself. They honored the name. They wouldn't even speak it, but they forgot to honor the God of the name. And they disobeyed him, and they went off and did their own things constantly. And that was certainly against what God had in mind. Here's how one writer has paraphrased and expanded what is really meant by the opening phrase, phrases of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who loves us and cares for us, and who has in heaven supplies to meet our every need, may your person... Your identity, your character, your reputation, your very being always be honored. Very briefly, as we wind down the message, how can we help to answer our own prayers? We're praying this prayer. How can we help to answer our own prayer? How can we put feet to our prayers sometimes is the expression? What can we do to hallow God's name besides praying these words? And I know that you realize that sometimes we can be the answer to our own prayers. Can you imagine somebody praying, Lord, I saw in the bulletin we have a problem. We need nursery workers. Please send nursery workers. Understanding that you could be the answer to that prayer. You could be the nursery worker that God is putting a hand on to be able to do that. Well, we can help to answer our own prayers with regard to hallowed be your name in three ways that I'd like to share in, in in quick passing. First of all, when we honor his word, obedience and personal holiness, when that is the way we live our lives, we're helping to hallow his name. We're helping to answer that very prayer. May your name be holy. When we honor his word, First Peter chapter 1, verses 14 to 16 say this, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, 
But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We honor his word by obeying him, by being holy in our conduct as he's holy. So we try to be hallowed ourselves in a certain degree, to be sacred, set apart, to be different, not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, because disobedience and unrighteousness do not hallow God's name. Great example is that of Moses in Numbers chapter 20. Remember, Moses was told to speak to the rock. Moses was in a bad mood. He lifted up his hand and he struck the rock instead. He struck it twice. And in his grace, God allowed water to come out. But here's what it says in verse 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. Moses was not permitted to come into the promised land. Why? Because he didn't sanctify God's name. He didn't make God's name holy. How did he not do that? He didn't obey. He didn't do what God told him to do. So how can we help to answer our own prayers? First of all, is to honor God's word. Secondly, to honor his name. We know this from the commandment in Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God's name should never be the brunt of a joke. It should never be part of a profanity. It should never be an expletive. It should never be careless, misused, dragged in the mud. That should never happen. Malachi chapter 1, I won't read all these verses, but here's what the Lord says. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts. And he was accusing the priests there of despising his name because they were not living holy lives before him and because they were giving him leftovers rather than their best. And then thirdly, we actually honor his day. Let me read from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 and 14. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, and we're not Sabbatarians, but we we do acknowledge the Lord's Day. We do acknowledge that one day out of seven before the law was set aside as a day specifically for rest and worship. And so we continue to honor that day. You'll see that in our church covenant, the way that we do that. But it says, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day... And call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. We're told in 1 Peter 2.9 that we're a holy nation, proclaiming the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what we've been doing today. One verse, it's not on the outline, but if you'll turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 9, we'll close with this. Nehemiah chapter 9. You look at verses 5 and 6, a very significant portion of God's word. Will you forgive me if I don't read all the names at the beginning of verse 5? 
Please read them at your leisure. But a group of people, the Levites, they said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. And you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Hallowed be your name. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for the deep insight into the sample prayer the Lord Jesus gave us. And thank you that it starts with you. Thank you that it starts with you as our Father and our Father in heaven. And your holiness, your character, the fact that there is none other like you. Thank you for that. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing Yahweh again, the song that we learned earlier. As I was learning this, the second line is what kind of stuck out in my mind as my obligation and our response, even to this concept of it's more than just God's name that we're hallowing. Our hearts are yours forever. My heart, Lord, Yahweh, is yours forever. Make sure that that's true. Let's stand and sing this again and keep that in mind as you're singing for yourself.
Heavenly Father, for reasons only known to you, you've permitted us the great privilege of being your ambassadors to help everyone understand hallowed is your name. Help us to represent you well. We want you to be a proud father. We want to be children who respond to the greatness that you've given to us in your love. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.